Okay. All right, guys, we're going to get started. And uh, it's right at 7.30. I want to be mindful of your time. And, uh, and in fact, we're going to start at 7.30. We're going to do our best to end uh, no later than 8.30. So I appreciate y'all coming, coming and joining us. Um, and uh, for the first intentional conversation that we'll be having tonight. And uh, of course, the subject is ministering to men. And, uh, and of course, uh, there's a lot of questions going on right now about what to do with our with our men. And of course, some of the churches are probably taking a hiatus uh, during the summer months, and and, uh, and especially during with the, dealing with the uh, COVID um, 19 uh, situation. Uh, not sure exactly what. And we're going to try to address some of those tonight and talk about them. And we'll just see where we go tonight in our conversation. But before we really get started, for those of you who do not know who I am, uh, I am Mike Salin, the director of Cape Fear Men, and a, a ministry coalition that uh, works out of uh, Hampstead, North Carolina. And so it's a uh, it's a great privilege to be able to serve you and be here with you guys. Um, one of the things I want to share with you before we uh, introduce our guest tonight is um, is a couple of tips and suggestions for you. Uh, we are streaming this on Facebook Live. I hopefully you'll go to Facebook Live. Trying to trying to set it that way right now. And uh, so, if you got anybody out there you think might enjoy this, send them a text or drop them an email, whatever the case may be, and just tell them tell them to join us through Facebook. Uh, hopefully, this will come through you know, on Facebook. Uh, now, if as you're those of you who are watching on Zoom, which uh, I'm looking at you right now, I want to make sure that you ask you that you will keep your mics on. Um, Mute, please, uh, so we can cut down on background noise and things of that nature. Uh, and so if you've got a question you want to submit, uh, there's a button down at the bottom that says chat. You can click on that, and we will monitor that and see if you're coming through with any questions. We'll, we'll come through in that direction. Also, being on Zoom, if you're uh, not familiar with it, if you can go up in the top right-hand corner of your screen, you'll see a section that says speaker view or maybe gallery view. If it says, uh, it comes up speaker view, you click on that and it will just show you who is speaking at that moment. So you don't have to try to find them on, on the screen and they will they will be there. So I, I kind of encourage you to do that. In fact, that's where I'm going right now uh, when, when I talk. So that's the thing too. And then also we are recording tonight. So uh, uh, there'll be a link to this on the Cape Fear Men website, capefearmen.net at the uh, uh in a few days so uh, you'll be able to go back and watch this again and i hope you hope you enjoy the night so right now i want to welcome our guests uh chris rondo and and kevin gregory how you guys doing oh glad to be here thanks mike for inviting me yeah glad to glad to see so many guys jumping on tonight i know we have oh yeah we got crazy guys schedule. coming in we got guys coming in from all over the state and even some in some some of the out of state areas, it's good to see see these uh, guys coming in. So really enjoy the fact. Uh, both of these men are area directors for Man in the Mirror, and uh, and just let me give you a little background of both of them, so you'll know their background, their expertise in in men's ministry. Chris, we'll start with Chris. He's he's the area director in the uh, South Carolina upstate region, um, and it, and ever since attending uh, Promise Keepers back in 1996. He has been involved personally with many men's groups, discipleship ministries, and local service projects. Chris has helped churches to develop and launch new men's uh, disciple programs, and he has been the guest speaker at breakfast conferences, radio, television. He's been all over the place, it looks like. And he holds two degrees in engineering. 
And before uh, working with Man in the Mirror or coming full-time with Man in the Mirror, he was an active participant on the war and chair by building military training hardware for the helicopters and engines for various uh, militaries around the world. And now he's in full-time role as a battle for men's souls. And he's married to, he's been married to his wife since 1996, and they have two active teenage boys. Kevin, also an area director, he's in Sanford, North Carolina, and resides uh, there with his wife and family. He's a retired Army Lieutenant Colonel who served in the Armored, Calvary, Civil, Civil Affairs, and Psychological Operations. And I guess, Kevin, sometimes when you're dealing with men, you get to have that psychological background. <laughs> anyway, he is an ordained minister with a Master's in Divinity from Campbell University and has planted new churches in the Southern Baptist Convention in Tennessee, North Carolina. And uh, in current focus is working with churches to assist them in getting men to engage in life on the on, on life on life discipleship. Guys, glad you're able to join us and uh, and be with us tonight. Thanks for having us, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah. Right. Now, I've known these guys. I've known these guys for a couple of years, or several years actually. I said a couple of years. Actually, I've known them for several years as we've worked together on some projects in, in, in the past. And our latest one was, uh, for those of you who may have attended, was the Iron Sharpies Iron National Equipping Conference at, uh, um, here in Wilmington back in March. And uh, Kevin will be joining us again next year in March of 21. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Chris has got a prior commitment that he had already scheduled, so he won't be able to be with us. So we're going to get started here, and I'm going to throw that first question down there. But I tell you what, what I really want to do before we really get into the meat of the stuff tonight, I'd like to give Chris and Kevin an opportunity just to share why they have a passion to minister to men and, uh, help, uh, and to help leaders to uh, reach the men in their local uh, churches and in their communities. So, so if you guys would, if you would share just a little bit about your heart and why you're doing all this, and, and I'm going to just throw it to Chris and let him start off first, if you don't mind. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Uh, again, I appreciate all you guys being here, taking the time uh, out of your schedule. And uh, actually, before we get started, just a show of hands here real quick. I'd like to see who here is actually a pastor uh, in this panel here. So for the most part, we have men's discipleship leaders, Chris Green. I see he gave a thumbs up down there. Um, thank you for carrying the banner and carrying the torch for your churches and, and leading. And uh, we know you guys have a busy schedule with family. Uh, we all do. But uh, again, we just thank you for stepping up to God's call and leading a campus and trying to uh, get everybody to walk closer with Christ. And uh, we are, Kevin and I are very proud to come alongside you and help you do that battle. So uh, we're glad to be here. Uh, I got saved in 1991. And immediately after two months, I was paired up with two other guys in my college and career group. And, you know, we were the three musketeers. Uh, for, for many, many years, and actually, I still have those relationships today, and then as time happens, life changes, we move on to different areas, and to each city that I've moved to, I've actually plugged in and gotten a real close, gotten in a real close small men's group uh, with five or six guys, and I know through those times, uh, I was the strongest, or I felt like I was learning the most, and I was being prepared for that next stage. And uh, that's kind of why I'm here is because I am a product of one-on-one -on -one and small group discipleship. And I think that's what Christ modeled uh, in the New Testament. And I think it's something that we as churches need to look at. Yes, preaching is great. Community groups are great. 
but when men can quote unquote to steal from a mentor and a common person between all of us, when we can get into a foxhole and share our deepest needs and struggles, be respected for what it is, but also be challenged to be better for Christ. I think that's a good mission for all of us to have. So that's why I'm here is to help churches create that discipleship pathway for the men in their church through small groups. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. How about you, Kevin? Yeah, Mike, my start really actually came through the military. Um, I joined the uh, Army um, right out of uh, my first year of college, uh, believing fully that uh, God had intended to use me in the military in some way, shape, or form. Um, I really enjoyed my military service. I really enjoyed mentoring uh, and training uh, men, uh, specifically for combat. Uh, I did... Uh, in 95, though, yeah. ran into a group of guys that uh, yes. decided to meet in a small group. And uh, it was my first exposure to Promise Keepers. And from that exposure to Promise Keepers, I uh, just, it changed my life. I, I realized, that, you know, I, while I enjoyed mentoring and training guys, uh, the Promise Keepers group uh, really taught me that, you know, what I really needed was strong uh, guys around me, strong Christian guys around me to support me, sustain me, encourage me, lift me up, pray for me, uh, just be there for me uh, when things got tough. Um, I remember going to the field right shortly after that, and I'm an officer at this time. I'm a captain. I'm in the field with my guys, and uh, a young uh, uh, corporal at the time sent me a note. He was in my small group. He sent me a note in the field, and uh, basically the note said, hey, we know, I know your, your time's tough out there. You're taking good care of your man. Just wanted to know that uh, I'm praying for you and hoping that uh, that field trip goes well and, and that every come, everybody comes back safe. Uh, and I tell you, that note I stuck in my Bible. I still have it to this day. I'm still in relationship to that guy to this day. And I'll never forget um, his caring uh, just for me uh, as a person, as an individual. And from that, um, I launched into... Uh, doing ministry full-time. Um, when I moved to my next assignment in the military, I felt really strongly about doing Promise Keepers groups and that kind of stuff. And from that small group experience, um, it started off into a ministry. Um, I went into ministry full-time, uh, trying to work with churches to help uh, put a disciple-making ministry in every church. That was the uh, goal back then of the, of the uh, Coalition of Men's Ministries, as you well know, Mike. And then from that, um, I got called back to the Army, finished my career, still believing in uh, men's discipleship as a basis, started a few churches, and then recently got back into Manamir full-time, well, starting off part-time uh, with Manamir, uh, first as a volunteer, and now as a paid uh, position, uh, working to help pastors really to capture the idea of getting together with their guys and uh, and doing life on life together, basically discipling. Yeah, man, appreciate you all sharing that because it sounds uh, sound like y'all got a lot of good uh, life on life experiences. It is and bringing and pulling that in as you begin to uh, mentor and share share with other leaders, men's leaders, on how to lead uh, men in their respective areas uh, that the uh, Lord has placed them in. Uh, one of the things I do want to uh, share that I did not tell, tell you guys earlier is if you do have any questions, uh, instead of uh, I want you to go to the chat room basically 
and which is down at the bottom of your screen and just click on chat chat there and just uh, type in your question there. And uh, if we have time, we'll, we will address those questions the best we can. So uh, that's the way I'd like for us to do that if you uh, have, do have any questions. But one of the things I, uh, you know, when I began working in men's ministry early on, I uh, found out real quickly that it was hard work. And that, uh, in fact, uh, I've always said I thought that it's one of the hardest work uh, ministries that you can do in the local church. And Pat Morley, uh, in his uh, some of his books, and he's written number numerous books on uh, ministry to men. But one of his statements he made in one of his latest books, The Christian Man, um, he makes a statement in chapter two. He says, "There is no cookie cutter description of the Christian man." Uh, wonder if uh, one of you guys could uh, share with us about uh, what he's talking about, and even though he does describe that a little bit in his book, but if you could expand on that a little bit and just talk about what he is talking about that when he says there is no cookie-cutter description of a Christian man. Okay, I, I think I can tackle that one, Mike. Um, and uh, yes, I, I am an engineer with, with two degrees, so you can, I'll be the one shooting out percentages and numbers all night, but uh, I'll try to give you a good answer and uh, be, be simple and short with those best I can. Um, a cookie cutter. Now, we've all done men's events before. We all have a, <clears throat> dare I say, a, a population of men in our church. And we would love to have one event that would draw 100% of your men to come to it and reach them every time. But even when I, I look across the spectrum of folks here, uh, this is the, the non-cookie-cutter ministry I see. Uh, I see white, I see African-American, I see older, I see younger, I see people with fishing hats on, I see people with no hats on, I see gray hair, I see no gray hair. Uh, me, I'm trying to get both of them here uh, on the way out. But uh, there, there's, what I'm trying to say is there, there really is um, no one thing you can do uh, to reach every man every time. So there's, there's diversity in every activity that you do. Uh, it would be nice to be able to get 100% commitment and attendance all the time. And uh, I kind of go back to an old adage my mom shared with me years ago. She said, you can't please half the people all the time, nor can you please all of the people half the time. And it, that's so true. So uh, I don't know if you're multi-church campuses at all. I know the church that I attend is. And you know, the 20-somethings will not participate in something that the 40-year-olds the do, and the 60-year-olds will not participate in things um, that the younger men do. So you can't just do one thing, and that's where <clears throat> relationships come in. And, you know, as, you know we've, we've used this phrase before, but it starts with a cup of coffee. It starts building a relationship and understanding what each man needs. You know, uh, Henry Ford talked about, you can, I'll sell you a car. You can buy any car as long as, you, long as it's green. Because that's what he was selling was green Ford Model, model T's and Model A's. Uh, then he added black. So um, you're going to have diverse people to reach, different stages of their Christian life, different stages of their married and parenting life, empty nesters, grandparents, or whatnot. <clears throat> But I do want to hinge on a foundation of what your ministry uh, should consist of. No matter what you're doing, excuse me, I got a little bug in my throat. No matter what you're doing, um, I think if you focus on these five areas, 
you will have a ministry to men that's producing disciples and, and creating more disciples in the process. And one is focusing on their relationship with God. Give them what they need. They want fun. They want activities, but give them God and draw them closer through a relationship with Christ. Uh, also is help them to focus on others who here rhetorical believes that there's an issue with selfishness and pride and egos in America today. What would happen if you were to get men in your church to focus outside the walls of their church and outside their personal needs? Uh, so if you can get them to love others before themselves, I think that's another key uh, facet of building a ministry to men so they can minister to others. Third is their vocation. Not everyone's called to be a full-time vocational pastor or minister, but men do have jobs. They have careers. God gave us a, a mission to, to plow the soil and to go out into the world. That is our vocation. But how many men believe that it's a godly ordination to be an engineer, to be a plumber, to be a carpenter, to be an infantryman? Those are spiritual callings. There's no separation between spiritual and secular in scripture. So your vocation is designed by God to put you on mission inside of the world. Third is money. You'll, have, you'll raise money for your family to survive, but God also wants you to be able to be respectful of what he's done for you, return back to him out of the graciousness of your heart to help the church and help ministries flourish by you know, acts of faith uh, through the book of James of faith and works and giving uh, money to, to support those. And third is ministry. Uh, we all have hobbies. We all have spare time. Um, I know people that have used sports as their ministry. Uh, I know people that use their hobbies as ministry. Um, I've laid aside a lot of my own hobbies and in my spare time, I use that ministry to help minister to my family, to my children but also take them into the world. So again, you're going to have to understand who your audience is, age, marriage status, interest level, spiritual maturity level. But if you focus on those five things, loving God, loving people, godly vocations, how to be good stewards, and every man has a ministry that God made them for, um, I think you'll have a very solid ministry to men in your church. I appreciate you sharing it. Well, let me ask you this. There's a lot of good information there about how we need to uh, think about our men and reach out to our men. But, uh, you know, COVID-19 has really changed the landscape of men's ministry in so many ways. And some churches are trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, can one of you all speak towards that? How, how are some things that you're seeing that are different now with COVID-19 as far as reaching our men and doing things with our men that uh, maybe uh, new ideas, new uh, ways to connect with them that we may not have been doing prior to uh, COVID-19. Yeah, my, I'll speak to that. The, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that we need to take advantage of is the technology. Um, there's technology out here now that we can reach out and touch people, even though we can't be physically in front of them. This is a perfect example of what we're doing tonight is a perfect example of a technology that's, that, that I've seen used very effectively uh, to reaching out and touching guys. Um, there are other ways. I mean, yeah, you have some limitation on meeting in person, but there are some means uh, effective for meeting. Um, I've seen guys gather out in a big, huge field. They're separated. Um, 
they're uh, six foot, they're wearing the mask, they're doing all that kind of stuff, but they're still having uh, an opportunity to, to, to teach and minister and, and to work with each other. Um, I've seen that happen. Um, I myself personally, yeah, I went into that same thing like everybody else did, you know, immediately shut down, everything closed off. And I'm thinking, okay, what the heck do I do to reach out to the guys that i am you know, been meeting with every week? And how does that work? Um, it was initially phone calls and text messages. Um, a lot of times, you know, we don't think about those things, but phone calls, text messages, emails, any means that you have to reach out to tell somebody that, hey, one, I care about you. Two, I'm praying for you. Three, you're going through the same thing I'm going through. What's it like for you? And, and share that experience with me um, so that I get ideas and things, you know, to help me to get through this tough time as you're getting through this tough time. Um, I can tell you those, those texts, those emails, those phone calls were significant in my life. And I know they were significant in the lives that I, I reached out and touched. Um, and it's so simple to do. I think we take those things for granted, uh, but in reality, they're not. I mean, they're, they're available. They're a tool for us to use and can be used very effectively. Eventually, we got into doing Zoom. I got to the idea uh, about six weeks ago now, seven weeks ago, that um, I had my group in 95 that I told you about, about uh, the Promise Keepers group. And I had those guys and I was, you know, still in touch with them through Facebook and other means. I had email addresses. And then I had a group that I've been working with here in Sanford that we've been uh, touching base with through uh, uh, Facebook and other means. And then I had a group in Athens, Tennessee, when I was stationed in Tennessee. And so I just decided, hey, you know what? I'm just going to invest in Zoom. So I, so I signed up for Zoom so that I can have my, the whole free time, whatever. And I'm going to reach out and touch these guys. And we're going to all come together on Sunday mornings early uh, and just start talking with each other and communicating and, and see where that goes. And I tell you what, it turned into a big deal. All these guys are across the country now. I'm communicating with them through Zoom. We're going through the Christian Man book. It's really been a really, really neat experience. Um, that's an example. I've seen other churches. They're actually do doing mission projects. They're going out and feeding the community. They get fully suited up, gloves, masks, and they're, they're taking food out to the community and they're being involved in, in some of the um, outreach that goes on in the community. They got schools that are feeding children. I've got a lot of guys that got jumped on the bandwagon and said, hey, we can go out there and help and be a part of that. We've got families that have needs and you know, a lot of our churches, while we're shut down, some of our churches can still go out and meet the needs of some of those families. And some of those families need things that are big. Uh, wheelchair ramps, uh, decks destroyed. I mean, we had a guy, a group here up in one of my local churches that took it upon themselves to to get a project to get this this dangerous deck taken off this house so that it could be rebuilt. And so they, with the last two weeks, have been taking their group out again, masking gloves, watching social distancing. They still have been able to do it in shifts. They they set one team to do one piece of it and another team to do another piece of it, and it's worked out effectively. So during the time of COVID, yeah, it's, it's tough. You can't meet in big groups. We understand all that. But the effort needs to be there to reach out and tell guys, one, hey, we still care about you. You're still part of the church and the ministry of the church. And we want you to know that we care about you and you're part of the ministry of the church. And we're going to reach out and touch you in some positive way. Whatever means works for you, whether it's phone, email, letter, <laughs> whatever it is, 
we want to reach out and let you know, hey, we care about you. We love you. And we want to make sure that you're growing in your spiritual walk with the Lord and that everything is going to work out in the end. We're going to get back together. And however that looks in the future, we've got a plan to come out of this in a strong way. Hey, thanks, Gavin. I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I can't help but think of myself. You know, I got a group that I meet with uh, once a week, and and uh, we've been meeting for a couple of couple of years now. And uh, and of course, when um, when all this uh, stop gathering thing took place right at the beginning back in March, uh, we were kind of wondering what to do. And uh, none of us were familiar with Zoom, and uh, and so we all did a fast, quick learning on Zoom. And now we do our meetings there once a week on Zoom, and we really enjoy that. So I encourage you guys. Do that. I don't think most of us probably didn't even know Zoom existed until March of this year. And it is a great tool for us to use and utilize it just like we're doing tonight. I appreciate you sharing that uh, in, in that area. Mike, well, let me add, you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Let me yeah, add real ahead. quick to that. Um, I've got several churches that I've worked with, and uh, they started off with Zoom. They, they really did. And uh, it started out strong. And uh, if, if, it's, if your life is like some of mine, you're probably a little bit Zoomed out, aren't you? Have you been through? two or three or four, I mean, it, it, it met a need and it's done well, but now that we're launching from it or coming out of it, um, again, a simple two or three question questionnaire, I know you've done those, Mike, uh, to your men to saying, hey, who, who's ready to get face to face? Oh yeah. Uh, because we're finding that men are, they're closed in. We, we wanna be, want to be outside. We wanna be hanging out on tailgates and uh, this, this kind of seems funny, and I, I mean no disrespect by it, but my discipleship pastor at my church wanted to keep meeting with all of us disciple leaders. He wanted to do it in the bounds of COVID, and he basically said he would put an email out and say, who wants to do a popo lunch today? I got four spots available. And we're like, well, what's a popo lunch? And he said, do you ever see two cops sitting in the parking lot at a drugstore talking in their cars, a parking space apart? He said, so that's how he continued his discipleship <laughs> with us was popo lunches. So we'd each hit Zaxby's and meet in the back corner of the parking lot and have a lunch like that or have a cup of coffee. Um, one church I have, they started meeting on their monthly uh, Bible study, which went to Zoom for the first three months. But guys are now wanting to get out. And uh, it was pretty cool because they sent me a picture where they had 16 men that came live they came live to their, their church, and they all sat outside six feet apart underneath the, the awning where they get dropped off. And three guys, they wanted to go out for a Saturday morning ride on their Harleys, so they pulled their Harleys up. So they, they sat on their Harleys while they had their Bible study. And on top of that, they actually had the laptop, just like we all have, sitting in front of the speaker. So the guys who weren't comfortable meeting yet were able to watch at home. And I, I say that, this, you know, try to be creative and see where your guys and what they're comfortable with. And, and again, operate inside the bounds of the limitations that, you know, the, the rules are allowing to use without exceeding those. What I'm hearing you guys say is just use your imagination a little bit to, to figure out some things that you can do differently. Uh, go outside the box and you're thinking a little bit of, of opportunities that you might be able to do to connect the guys that, We've been so used to, to coming together with them in, um, in, in meeting rooms, so to speak. And now we've got to look and think of different ways to reconnect with these guys and stay connected with them. And I think a lot of that's good ideas, good, good stuff. 
And the other Got a question. Before yeah. Go, yeah, before you go, Mike, I was going to address this one question about church leaders can't push the envelope in meeting right now, and many of them are the men's leaders. Um, and that may be true because of the restrictions. You know, you may have, you, you can't do big groups, but what we found very effective is the small groups, just like Chris said. I mean, you, you can meet two on two, you can meet one on one. It, it just it just depends on again the comfort level that you would you would you want to make sure that the guys that you're meeting with are comfortable in doing that meeting. But there are ways that you can do it, and there are ways that you can work it out. You just got to think outside the box, like like we've been talking about, and and just pick out what's method you know what methods work for you. I know a brother-in-law of mine, he's got a boat. He's got one guy on one end of the boat and he in the other end of the boat and that's their meeting and that's where they go out and do it and they end up going fishing and then they come back in. They can't be any better isolation than that. The boat is, you know, a good number of feet long and the two of them have good fellowship, good time and you can do that in a couple boats if you wanted to. I mean, there's a ways, there's several different ways um, that you can work it out and it's just a matter of, you know, to your imagination what you want to do and how you can yeah. do it. Good. We got a question that's come through that uh, you know, we're talking about connect, connecting with men and dealing with men and how did you do that? And this comes this comes actually comes from a uh, a, um, a a military guy. So I'm, I'm not sure which one of you going to feel the need to answer this, but I got a feeling I know which one could. And uh, but uh, but basically he was asking what's the effective way to reach men when you've moved to a new duty station and uh, in your move just moving into a new city or state. How, how, how do you deal with that? Uh, I'm going to throw that your way, Kevin, since you're a retired lieutenant colonel. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think the most, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll caveat this with the most exciting thing for me was moving from Germany, where I had all the promise keepers, men, Protestant men in the chapel, all this group of guys, and ended up in Athens, Tennessee. <clears throat> and Athens, Tennessee was not a military duty station. It was an active duty assignment to a National Guard unit. So I was totally out of my element. So after, I don't know how many years, about 12 years, I think it was, of being totally immersed in the military community, I'm now in a civilian community. And my first thing thought in my head is, I need to find a church and I need to find these you know, guys that are meeting in this church and where, where can I go to find that? So the first thing to me, my recommendation was what I did was pray. And then where I saw God working, I just joined him in that. And it just so happened that through this prayer, I ended up at a, a First Baptist Church of Athens, Tennessee. <clears throat> and I thought, well, hey, here's a big church. This is going to be a, a good thing. And I walk in the door and I'm asking around, so what's going on for guys? And the first thing I heard was, well, we got Baptist Men's Day. And I thought, wow, I've never been a Baptist before. I didn't know what it was like, but what's Baptist Men's Day? I thought this was going to be great. And when I found out it was once a year, I just about had a heart attack. I said, wait a minute, <laughs> is there not something going on for guys? And then somebody said, well, yeah, there's a men's Bible study. Uh, and so I went to the men's Bible study. And when I found out it was a lecture by the most elderly, most senior trained guy, and everybody else just sat in the room and took it in. And when it was done, they got up, prayed and left. And I thought, this is not gonna be good. What's going on here? And eventually, uh, through starting to meet with some of those guys, just being a part of that Sunday school, that lecture, I started talking to a couple of guys and said, hey, wouldn't it be nice just to meet over coffee or doing something like this? 
um, have you heard about Promise Keepers? And I found a couple guys. And from those couple guys, we formed a group and then we formed more groups and then it turned into a ministry at the end. So the only thing I can say, the most effective way to reach guys in a new duty station is to pray, look for where God's at work, and then join them. And if there's nothing going on, start it. Start it yourself. You, you know, I, you, you, a lot of us, I think, say, well, we're not qualified. At that time, I wasn't an ordained minister. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a guy. I was a military guy. And that's about the most effective thing I could say is I had some military leisure training, but I had no other training to do it. But I felt called by God to get guys together, to do life on life, to talk about the Bible, to talk about life, to go through life with. And I just started gathering them around me. And that's how it started. And, and, and those are some good points. And I think those could transfer over to uh, business guys, guys who are being transferred to, um, uh, from a business standpoint, from one city or one state to another, uh, they, they could apply those same uh, uh, tactics, so to speak, and connect it with men in, in their new city. Uh, thanks for saying. We got a question that's also come in. And because we're doing it tonight, and uh, so this person basically asked, and Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one to you, if you don't mind. It says, do you think things like Facebook Live or recording conversations limit interaction? Uh, that answer would be yes. <laughs> That's my engineering deduction, yes. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I was with a group of, two, of 12 people for a better part of two years face-to-face uh, -face in a weekly meeting. And we were just getting to really break the ice and get to know one another. And when it went to homes and to the video, we actually feel, I mean, it sounds weird, but we feel more like strangers. Um, not that I'm, we're totally blind, but you lose some of the emotion. You lose some of the respect. You're in a room by yourself versus sitting in front of them. So the vulnerability is not there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, not knowing when to speak because sometimes you can get four people to jump on speaking here and it's awkward, but in a group setting, it's probably not going to be because you're, you're hearing and you're observing their body language better. So yeah, it, it does lose some of the interaction. And, you know, uh, I think I've been guilty before of writing a, a text to somebody and it be taken out of context because there's no emotion tied to it. I do think the digital media can cause some of that. But I think that would just uh, encourage me to want to meet one-on-one, -on -one, six feet apart, with a mask on, to share with somebody, you know, a personal struggle that I have, to tie that emotion to it. You know, I don't want to say I'm going to wait six months till COVID lifts. We don't know when that is. But to Kevin's point, if you're needing something, be willing to ask and say, hey, can we meet one-on-one? -on -one? Can we go to a coffee shop? Can we go get a cup of coffee and sit in the Zaxby's parking lot? Because I think all of us want to be close and we want to be able to be understood. And I think one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, it is that best way. This is a good medium, but I don't think it's yet perfect yet, really. So thank you, Ryan, for that. And if I can just add to that, I wouldn't record. I don't record my Zooms. I really don't. I mean, I, I think recording a Zoom or recording a conversation um, when you're doing small group is not the best way to do it. I mean, if you if you want to Zoom, there's nothing wrong with Zoom. And Zoom doesn't, you know, keep a recording or Facebook 
um, as long as you're not, if you're doing Facebook Live, it's going to record. So you're already limited by by that in general. So I would use a medium that's not being recorded if you're trying to get uh, to the heart of, of, of the meat of the conversation and what you need. Or like Chris said, schedule a time to do it in person. Um, that's really the, the only option you have. But, but live recording does limit the conversation. Yeah. And I want to make something perfectly clear here that is that uh, we are recording this and we're on live, uh, Facebook Live with this. But the whole purpose of this is, uh, is just listening to uh, three, three, three guys here talking about ministry to men. So it's a little different than if you're using it for those small groups. Because those small groups do need to keep that transparency and keep that, uh, that confidentiality that needs to stay within that group. And so, yeah, I would agree with you. If we were doing that right now, we would not be recording this. We would not be uh, putting it out there on Facebook. It would just be us free, so to speak, we over it uh, here uh, talking in our in our offices. But uh, thank you for thank you for that question, Ryan, and I appreciate that. And uh, and and as we look, let's uh, let's talk about leadership a little bit, guys, if you don't mind. Um, you know, one of the things that when I'm when when I first got into the educator, uh, you know, I was thinking that, uh, you know, you were appointed to, you're, you're our men's ministry leader for our church. And I was thinking that I've got it, I've got it all, you know, uh, what do I do now? Because I did not have a clue what to do. But uh, I know that uh, there, there's an idea out there as I've learned about uh, teamwork and, and, and developing your leadership teams and things like that. Can one of y'all speak towards that a little bit about the difference between having a single person leading and a leadership team uh, in your local church? Go ahead, Kevin. I think with your background, you may have some experience military-wise on that same structure. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, Chris is right. I mean, I love to build teams. I'm a, I'm a team kind of guy. And so, um, you know, while I was, you know, maybe the key person uh, to think about getting uh, promise keepers groups or whatever together um, I knew that it was going to take a team of guys to do this and pull this off and so I just gathered guys around me that had a heart and a passion to do to see the same things that I wanted to see um, in the church and that is you know I wanted to see mature guys being godly men warriors and uh, stepping up to the plate in their their families stepping up in the plate in their house and so, you know, I just gathered a couple of guys around me that, that wanted to see that same type of passion and had a passion to reach out to the community and do missions work and stuff, because that was, we felt that early on, that was one of our, our uh, things that we wanted to, we wanted to be Christ to the community as well. So love God, love people. And, you know, like Chris said earlier, that, that fifth strand was the ministry. We wanted to reach out and minister to folks um, and, the best way to do it is to get a team together. I, I hate lonely ministry. You can't be the only guy out there uh, trying to do this because when, and when you are, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to get burned out because you need guys that don't, I don't have all the skill sets. I'm not always effective in anything. Half the stuff I'm not. I need guys like Chris. I need guys like Mike. I need guys that, that are on this call to come around, come alongside me. Give me the skill set you guys have. And let's work together to see the kingdom of God advanced in our churches and in our families and in our homes and in our communities. Uh, that's what it takes. So, yeah, I still say there's a key guy, and I may have been that it. I may have been one amongst equals that said, hey, okay, guys, let's do this. Or, hey, we can't agree, but why don't we do this or try this? 
Um, that's usually what the men's ministry leader of your church is. But he's also got a heart and a passion for taking care of guys. He really wants to see guys um, come to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and to mature in their faith. Um, that's got to be the key leader. Um, other guys that want to come along, they've got to do, you know, affinity groups. They like to do the cookouts. They like to do the uh, car shows. They like to do the golf outings, whatever it happens to be. Um, you need those guys because I'm not that. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I don't like to hunt fish necessarily. I like it occasionally, but I'm not that guy. Um, I'm not a great car show person. I don't have any high-speed cars to show, but I know a lot of guys are. I mean, there's a lot of different talents and people that you need to put on the team to make it effective in your church because there's so many different guys, as Chris so eloquently pointed out earlier, that you're trying to reach. You have a diversified church. You already have a diversified ministry. You just don't know it. Uh, but you got enough diversity within the context of wherever you're meeting. Um, you got those guys. You just need to reach out, bring them in, say, hey, let's do this together. We want to make a team and form this and make it happen. Amen. I appreciate sharing that and, and uh, helping us understand that. I know from my own personal experience that as I began to understand the, the concept of having a team leadership in men's ministry, as I began to tap, tap men on shoulders and ask them if they come alongside of me, and they did, those relationships has continued. Even though I haven't been uh, the, the leader of the men in my local church for quite a few years now, those men that I tapped on the shoulder, they're still walking alongside me, helping me in this ministry now in so many ways. And so you build those relationships to work with each other, and, and uh, you never know where God may take you. So we truly encourage uh, you to develop that, that team relationship by all means. Um, I know one of the things I, I, I had, I want, I want you to speak to this a little bit. Uh, as you're, we're talking about leadership, we're talking about men's ministry and developing those relationships. Um, a number of years ago, when I was uh, leading, a, uh, leading a church, I had a man come up who was visiting the church, and he said, how do I join the men's ministry in your church? How do I join this, this, the men's ministry here at this church? And, uh, of course, I gave him an answer, uh, but I'd like to hear you guys. I'd like to hear what you would say to, to a guy like that. Um, get uncomfortable. Be, be willing to step out there and put yourself at risk. Seriously, um, you're uh, similar to what Kevin was saying, you know, back about uh, leadership team or moving to a new area. But if, if you if you need something, ask for it. Uh, years ago, when I went through men's fraternity, uh, my first time through when I was, was actually a student in the program. And um, I knew I had a father wound. I had a mentor problem. I didn't have a mentor. I had peers in the group, but not a mentor. There was a gentleman that I saw in the church on a regular basis almost every time I was in the door. And I'm like, this guy must have things going, going right because he's there Sunday twice. He's there Wednesday. He's there doing mission trips and stuff. I'm like, he's got his walk with Christ right. And I walked up to him, and he didn't know me from Adam's house cat, to use an old proverb, right? I said, you don't know me? My name is Chris. I think your name is Tom, right? And he says, yeah. And I said, I'm looking for an older gentleman to mentor me. Would you do that? And he said, honestly, I don't know how to do that, but let's get together and see what God can do with it. Long story short, that was his first opportunity. He has spoken in front of a church of 2,000 people on raising godly children now that he's at a retirement age. So to say that, you are taking a risk to put your emotions and feelings out there to say, I need help with something. 
and I'm looking for somebody to help me, i.e., I would go to a pastor, obviously, someone who you see leading in the church. And I learned this one last week, and I really like it from somebody I saw on another uh, video. If you see somebody with a humble spirit, whether at work, maybe at the gym, or in your Sunday school group, that person is probably living the way Christ wants him to. So I would reach out to those humble few, maybe instead of the proud few, um, and say, hey, I'm having some struggles. I'm looking for a men's group. What can I do? Um, there's another, actually, I want to jump back on Kevin's question uh, a minute ago on the leadership team. Um, what would that leadership team look like? You want people around you, but who is your mission field? Who are you trying to reach? If you're trying to reach 20-somethings, I would recommend you have a 20-something person on your leadership team, or else you're not going to know how to reach them. If you're trying to do inner city ministries, I think you need to find somebody who came from inner city, who's been uh, brought to faith, so he can help you know what they're receiving and how they're receiving you. So when you have that one leader, which is great, he's that champion, he's corralling the troops, but, you know, in No Man Left Behind with the five types of men, you have the lost, the cultural, the biblical, the disciple maker, and the hurting. You know, we, we all have a story. We all have a testimony. So I think we can share our testimony and somebody will respond to it and understand it. Um, but if you're trying to reach a certain genre or age group or marital status, make sure you have guys around the leader who can understand where that mission focus is aimed at. And I call it mission, mi mission inside the walls, as well as outside the walls. Mike, I have a little bit basic answer to that, is how do you join the men's ministry? It's the fact that you have a ministry to men in every church. Every church does, they just don't know it. But the bottom line is, all they have to do to join the men's ministry is to reach and touch out to another guy, just like Chris said. Reach out to another person, if you're the guy that's the mature one and you want to find somebody to come alongside you, reach out, take this, take this step of faith, uh, reach out to a younger guy and spend time with him, uh, be authentic and build a relationship. That's what you're trying to do. Uh, just show that you care and that you really are interested in their spiritual well-being. That's the bottom line. That's, that's how it gets started. I noticed we got a couple of questions, Mike. I don't know whether you want to go to those or... Yeah, uh, and, I, and I do want to uh, ask you or Chris, somebody asked, uh, what was the name of that book? I'm not sure which book you were talking about. If you could respond to, to through chat with that, I, I'd appreciate that. But I'm going to throw this out here, too, that uh, uh, we had somebody that asked a question about a healthy time frame to do discipleship with men uh, in small discipleship groups. You know, where we're talking about months, weeks, uh, uh, and what's not realistic. If, you, if one of y'all could speak through that, I'd appreciate it. I I can touch to that. Yeah, the, go ahead. the uh, I, I think the issue here is we have an example of discipleship uh, through Jesus Christ. He spent three years with the twelve. I mean, literally, um, you can say, well, that's a long time, or that's a huge commitment, or all those kinds of things. <clears throat> but it's not a huge commitment if you take it in bite-sized chunks. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've done a lot at Man in the Mirror to the, to to determine what issues men will face. Um, in their lifetime. And we have 
some basic things that we we really feel like guys if they got a hold of some basic things to start out with and that's kind of the focus of a small group is to get them to 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 see that um, we start out with a main event get them to create a value of what would be a value for them to draw them to the main event from the main event bring them break them down into small groups get them into a discipleship uh, a small group where they're learning something about uh, what it is that Christ has for them. And then they'll start on that process and that journey. And then eventually um, we like to take it in what we call four to six week chunks. Um, don't give them too much. Don't say you're going to be committed for the three years. Uh, but I'm just telling you when it's all said and done, when you start doing these four to six week chunks, you're going to look back and realize, you know, I've been, I've been in small groups since 95. I've had three separate ones of them, but now I got them all together in one and we're still moving forward. And so 95 to here is 15 years and uh, the relationships keep going and they get better and better all the time. Um, so don't worry about the long-term, focus on the short-term, focus on what's immediate uh, and then do it in bite-sized chunks and you'll find that it'll go real well. Okay. Clever. Appreciate you answering that. Um, we're coming up, uh, we're about 10 more minutes in the, in the, uh, in the call tonight. And I wanted to give you all guys a little bit of time to talk about some things. I know in man in the mirror, if you guys are not familiar with man in the mirror that's listening in tonight, uh, I would encourage you to go out to maninmirror.org and look at all the uh, resources that are available through that. You'll find some blogs, uh, some Bible studies and, and other resources that you can utilize. But one of the things that uh, Man in the Mirror's come out with in the last couple of years is uh, called the Go product. And, uh, and I, want, I want them to talk a little bit about that and share that a little bit about what, uh, what they're using that for and how a local church can utilize the Go product. Yeah, the, the Go. Whichever one's going to pick it out up. You I'll got start it. this one. <laughs> uh, the Go product is a, it's a nine week, um, say, an entry level. Um, dare I say, Discipleship 101. Uh, if you're familiar with No Man Left Behind, we used to have a day and a half long training. Uh, we actually, next Saturday, nationwide, we're having a, uh, an online simulcast live training for eight hours. Uh, but what we've done is we've broken the basic principles of that No Man Left Behind into a four-week development seminar for you and a potential leadership team. During that time, you go through the fundamentals of No Man Left Behind in 20 minute, four 20-minute videos, and you're just feeling guys out that you think are ready to lead. During that same time frame, you're actually planning and orchestrating a, an event, an opportunity. It could be a breakfast. It could be a wild beast feast. It could be a full church-wide event. We would recommend you maybe do something small to a targeted audience in that time frame. So that the fifth week is you actually have that event. Uh, you carry it out. Um, the, the tools will give you the proper, what we call the create, capture, sustain. You're creating an event. You're going to capture momentum and give the men the right next step. The, the right next step with the Go product is a four-week follow-up that talks about the importance of uh, sharing your faith, why building men is important, and why discipleship is important. So at the, when you have the event, you'll invite every man who comes to join you for just that small four-week study. Again, it's, it's introductory, but it's foundational. And the commitment level 
is very low to spend nine weeks. It's not bad for an hour to hour and 15 minutes each time. If they see value in that, then they'll want to stick around, go deeper, go long-term. Hey, let's go find, let's go through the man in the mirror book, which is 24 chapters. That could be overwhelming, but if you, if that's what you want, go ahead and do it. So the go is an introductory, build a leadership team, carry out a, an event, a create, capture, sustain cycle. And I would recommend you take a look at nomanleftbehind.org. Uh, get started. And there's an there's a explanation there of what that create, capture, sustain looks like. And then sustainment is in that four-week study, I can guarantee you that your men will gel with the topics that are being discussed. And they'll start finding friendships and say, hey, Mike, you know, you were talking about on-ramps. I've got a guy who I work with who's a Muslim. How do you think I could reach him? And then here starts an evangelism conversation on how to reach somebody outside of your faith. So real simple, it's uh, $199 for this material. It comes with seven books. Again, it's, it's uh, eight 20-minute sessions for your leadership team or four, and then four for the follow-up afterwards. It's a great way to, if you don't have a leadership team, it's a great way to start one. Conversely, the no man left behind is if you have a foundational team in place, but you're stuck, that, that full up no man left behind training may be the best option to get unstuck. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, guys, we got uh, just a few minutes here to, to wrap up on some things and uh, we got some more questions that are coming in. Some of them will all answer offline, uh, but hey, that's okay. Yeah, Mike, go ahead, Kevin. Can I just answer this one question? Because I think it's apropos. I mean, we've got some churches out there that have um, multiple guys all over the, the city, states, different places, and they're trying to uh, create an environment where they can meet. And I think the easiest or the quickest way to do that is find somebody that would facilitate the group. The, the, whoever the leader is, whoever the pastor or leader, that, that group of team, they can determine the curriculum that they want the, the guys to get in on and to do in their small groups. But all they need to do is get a facilitator in each area um, to, to gather those guys together and make that happen. Again, what you're looking for in a facilitator, somebody that's got a passion for other guys, wants to see this happen in the church, and is willing just to facilitate the group. He doesn't have to have biblical training. He doesn't have to have all the bells and whistles. He just needs to facilitate uh, what the, the what the team has determined that they want each of these groups to be studying or to going through. Um, and what is the most important thing to stay away from avoiding failure is never give up. Be consistent. Just go at it and uh, keep at it. And if you show up, the other guys are going to show up too. Okay. I think one thing to add to that, what not to do is don't go too deep too quick. Exactly. David, David Delk, the, one of the authors of that, shares how he, you don't walk into a, a men's group the first day and sit in some other dude's lap and say, how are you doing with your emotions today? You know, it, it doesn't go over well. You've got to get to that, that edge of trust where a man's willing to open. So when you start it, don't just walk in and say, hey, I'm a porn addict. How about you? You know, that, that's not quite the right way to do it. You know, if there is someone who has that, that may be a time to, to get a pastor involved uh, fairly immediately um, if there's a life risk issue. But go, start small, start slow. I, guys will open up in the right environment if it's created. I've been in, uh, I've been in a, a men's group before. After six weeks, it was still crickets when I asked the question. 
I've been in men's groups where after week two, one guy will take up the whole 45 minutes because he's got a lot to share. You know, you've got to get the right environment, respect each other because you're all there for the same reason. But I think the biggest thing is you want to make it comfortable and give everybody the free will. They may not be ready till week five to share. Um, but just be respective of that. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you all standing tonight. Uh, we're coming up on just uh, 8.30 hour, and I want to be mindful of the men that's on here. And I know we could continue talking about this for a while. I know you and Chris, you, um, you and Kevin and I, we have many hours on the phone talking about men's ministries. And it's just something that we love and we love to do. I do want to give you just a minute here, if it will take maybe about 30 seconds, if you can, if you can possibly do that. And give us a parting shot of what, what is the, what do you think uh, probably um, is the most important thing we as men or maybe men's leaders need to take away from, from the night's call and being able to maybe even or something else to, to minister to our men more effectively. Chris, I'll start with you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you any time to think. I'm just yeah, to... <laughs> there you go. So, uh, dare I say, and I think it's kind of been shared a little bit here. Uh, I know I've said it is, I don't want to, this is a copyright violation. Just do it. Be willing to get out there. If, 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 if there's something that you want and you don't see it in your church, start it. Start, start small, be patient, but just do it. Good. Sounds, Sounds too good. simple. Kevin, but how is. about you? <laughs> Kevin, what's your, what's your parting word? My, my parting word is that we all are drawn uh, to something. We, we, we need a cause to believe in. We need a, a companion to do life with, and we need a conviction that those two things, the cause and companion, are worth the effort. Um, and I'm taking that right out of Pat Morley's book, Pastoring Men, but the bottom line is every one guy out there is looking for something um, that's going to direct his way, of, his way of life. And we have the answer. If you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you have the answer. And like Chris says, just do it. Reach out to somebody. Show them that you care. Show them that you're really concerned about their spiritual maturity. And you will, the two of you, starting to do and talk about that will be contagious with everybody else around you. And that will build a group. Okay, thanks. Hey, guys, I appreciate you being there. Once again, guys, if you want more information uh, about Man and Mirror, just go to manandmirror.org. And I think uh, Chris threw a link out there on, on, in the chat section if you want to look at that. And so I appreciate, appreciate you doing that. Uh, I will tell you, this is going to become a monthly thing that we're going to do about the fourth, fourth uh, Tuesday in the month uh, that we're doing. And, uh, and we already have our guy that's going to be uh, on call next, next month. His name is Stan Budd. He's with Family Life. And many of us know Family Life Ministries uh, out of Arkansas and, and what all they do. And, and Stan and I were talking, and he's going to share some things uh, dealing with marriages, about how we can use our marriages to, to share the gospel uh, with uh, other families around us and in, in, in married couples. And this may even be something that you may invite uh, your wife to join you to listen in on that conversation because it's something that you can do together. So I want you, we'll have more information coming on that in a couple of weeks uh, so you can register for that and, and see what we were talking about. Uh, I do want to ask you if you're interested in helping us continue to, to uh, have these, these talks and ministry, just like I think Kevin was saying earlier, this is this uh, costs us to do something like this. If we have to, we have to uh, 
pay somebody to allow us to use this platform. So if you're interested in being able to help us out and give, donate to Cape Fear Men so we can pay some of these operating expenses, I appreciate that. You can just go to capefearmen.net and click on the donate uh, do, do no, <laughs> donate button that you, you see there. I'll get it out of my mouth in a minute, so to speak. Or you can, or you can just take text to uh, Cape C A P E Cape uh, Cape to five zero one five five. That's five zero one five five. We are a five zero one C three organization, so it's tax deductible anything that you may share. He goes, Evan, Chris, appreciate you joining us again tonight. Thank you for taking your time, and uh, we we uh, uh, will probably be reaching out to you guys for more information. So. Look for our next information, like I said, about intentional conversations and, and, and an email, uh, Facebook page or a web page, and we'll see you guys next time. So God bless. Good night, and we'll see you all later. God bless. Thanks, Mike, for putting this together. Yeah.